0: Every day, 34 people in their 20s and 30s are diagnosed with cancer.
1: On the 7th of July 2015, I was one of the 34.
0: On the 28th of August 2008, I was one of the 34.
1: But what about when you're in your teens?
0: Because teenagers get diagnosed too.
1: These are the stories of what happens afterwards.
0: This is Afterthoughts.
1: The Teenagers.
0: Hello, Alice. Hello, Toby. So, here we are for uh, another episode of Afterthought, and it is pouring it down outside.
1: Um, It's stopped raining here, actually. It's
0: very British to discuss the weather. Well, I mean, yes, that's... (laughs) It is. It is. It is. It is. is, is. (laughs) You can tell a little Um, bit that um, uh, we're at the end of a day and we've had mm -hmm. quite a lot of Zoom time, haven't we, today?
1: Yes, we have had rather a lot of Zoom. Well, you've had a particularly large amount of Zoom time. I've had less, but I have had rather a long working day, not to complain because I do enjoy my job. Um, But yes, um, it's been a long old day.
0: But we have been perked up by uh, our Afterthoughts recording. Um, Always with uh, the wonderful Aiden. Um, oh, Aiden, yeah. And we've had a couple of Zoom issues, haven't we, throughout the yes. session? Um, We're a
1: little but, bit glitchy today, which we, I don't think we've had any Zoom issues when we've been recording otherwise. I hope this isn't going to set a precedent for the rest of
0: the series. No, no. But Aiden is uh, next week going to uh, Freshers. Um, so we, we've caught him just before he's hitting his Freshers week.
1: I tell you what, I didn't feel like his mum
0: <laughs> when he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was I, think you said, to... I think you even said I am I, um, I, like I don't want to be your mum but
1: yeah Aidan was talking to us about freshers and he was saying that he, his freshers is two weeks long and he gave up drinking when he was in treatment and he is he started drinking again and he's gonna be drinking around freshers and I was like the 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 inner Mum. I didn't even know I had an inner mum, but the inner mum in me was going, Oh Aiden, be careful, love. Take it easy, won't you? Don't drink too much. <laughs> and I was just like I was I was surprised at myself, to be honest. Your
0: 19-year-old self could see you now.
1: The, my 19-year-old self would have been like, Woo Aiden, go on lad, drink it all up. No, um it- Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, what's happening?
0: Oh dear! Right, let's let's take everybody into uh, our stories with Aiden.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Afterthoughts. We are here today with Aiden. Welcome, Aiden. Hello. How um, are you?
2: I'm good, thanks. How are you guys?
1: Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you, Toby?
0: I I've had a lot of Zoom today. Lots of Zoom today, but and Zoom
1: always sends you a bit A Bit
0: lally, but I am very much looking forward to uh, spending some time with both of you uh, today, which would be very nice. And always,
1: whenever we do uh, recording sessions, you get quite a lot of like Alice time, so it's quite it's quite full on, isn't it?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What we do before before um, um, we meet you met you, Aidan Aiden, What we do is uh, mostly Alice and I just show each other uh, our cats, and yes. that's 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 what we do. What we yes. do just to to, to <laughs> ruin the illusion of our uh, kind of
1: professionalism. <laughs> Any illusion of professionalism out the window, gone. Sayonara. I don't know where my cat is. I haven't shut him out because I figured if I shut him out, he might just sit and meow at the door. Um, and I thought it's either have him sit out meow at the door or risk him coming in and meowing ferociously ferociously next to me. So um I just left the door open, but he may or may not appear at some point.
2: Yeah, I have um I have a beagle um currently out in Nigeria because my parents live. Um oh. and whenever, every every morning, 5:30 on the dock, because that's when my dad goes for their morning walk and then feeds them. Um he'll just slowly thud his head on the bedroom door. <laughs> and then my dad will open the door and he'll just be sat there like, cool, time to go. Yeah.
1: That's so funny.
0: <laughs> anyway. On that note. On yeah. that <laughs> on that bombshell. On that bombshell. Um, <laughs> Aidan, it's uh, always start afterthoughts with uh, the human before the cancer, and so we want to dive into get to know you with what we we describe as quick fire questions, but they're not very quick at all, really. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just a yeah a chance for us to uh, dive into uh, what you what you're bringing to us today. Oh yeah, yeah go for it. And um, Aidan, uh, what are the pronouns that you use, please?
2: Uh, he him.
1: Aidan, who do people say that you look
2: like? Oh, gosh. This this enters the the bounds of racial stereotypes. Um, Basically, any light-skinned brown actor. So, (laughs) Rami Malek. um, That one I get a lot, even though I look nothing like him. Um, I don't know, the YouTuber Ray William Johnson? I don't know him. No, that was. It's my
1: age,
2: maybe. Him sometimes. Yeah, basically just any any light-skinned, brown actor. Mm. They're like, you look like him. I'm like, no, no, I don't.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, would you rather live by the sea or by the mountains?
2: By the mountains, but there has to be a lake or river nearby.
1: Mm, nice stipulation. I like that. Good one. Um, would you rather time travel forwards or backwards?
2: forwards because I wouldn't want any risk of the grandfather paradox tell me more so the grandfather paradox is the idea that if you went back in time and killed your own grandfather yeah. in theory you would then assuming there's only one timeline and there's no creating new timelines and whatnot um, then you would never exist therefore you would never exist to build the time machine and go back and kill your own grandfather and therefore your grandfather would never yeah. have died and so I respect you Fantastic. a lot for
0: noting that um, OK favourite part of a roast dinner
2: what what meat are we talking well it's it's, it's your you. choice. It's your so choice. I actually I actually have a rank of meat for roast it goes roast lamb then roast pork then roast chicken and I've never had a good roast beef so roast beef's the bottom
0: so it's always um, the,
2: it's always the meat is it that's your favourite part of meat's roasting. always the favourite lamb because I love lamb lamb fat but then pork that crackling is just
1: oh yeah 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 great great
2: Um,
1: Um, who is your celebrity fascination not crush important to specify not crush
0: fascination
1: yeah so just someone you find really like captivating or interesting or just like fascinating generally
2: um probably someone like Shaq even though I'm not even a basketball fan Mm. because I've always when it comes to like him and his just his money like he has he owns like a weird amount of like Taco Bell chains or he has his own like shoe line at Walmart it's like he has the weirdest things that just bring him so much money love that it's really confusing but interesting
0: that is fascinating good one Um, if you had a superpower what superpower would you have?
2: oh super speed
0: nice
1: um, what's your go-to karaoke song?
2: Um, it's, got, it's got to be 22 by Taylor Swift.
1: Second Taylor Swift song of the series?
2: <laughs> it has to be. Two um, for
1: two on Tay-Tay.
0: And would you rather be a hawk or a hedgehog?
2: A hawk, because my brother recently bought a hedgehog as a pet, and I'm still yet to see why he has a hedgehog as a pet. <laughs>
1: Lovely. And can you tell us what you were diagnosed with, please?
2: I was diagnosed with stage 2A Hodgkin's lymphoma.
0: so first up on afterthoughts we are diving into beyond the diagnosis we always put this story in first because it's so often that we have to retell our diagnosis story but there are so many stories that follow so it's over to you Adam, for your beyond the diagnosis
2: so uh post-diagnosis i found myself becoming a bit more of a obsessive perfectionist um i think to sum it up it's probably just a day at work in the pub. Um, you know, I, I would get to work and I would always make sure I was early. Um, clock in to just make a bit more money. Um, cheat the system. Um, but um, it would sort of get to around the time I break. Um, and because of just my energy levels at the time, I would usually wake up just before work and get to work on time, not really eat anything before. Um, and so I would, I would get to work. And then my break would be the first thing I ate. And it being a pub... Um, It was pub food. Um, And so I would would sort of look down like this fish and chips and it would would look incredible um, and it would taste incredible. But I would always know while looking at it and eating it, eating it, sorry, that it was, you know, fatty. It was probably relatively unhealthy to eat on a regular basis. Um, And so I would slowly just get run down because I wanted to eat perfectly. Um, And that would then usually sort of create a little snowball effect um in the rest of my day um to the point in which you know if, if a customer complained um I would take it a lot more to heart even if their complaint was ridiculous um like their steak is cooked not well done enough even though they've asked it for like it basically burnt um but um and it would get to the point in which I would pour a pint and if the pint wasn't perfect for me um it would it would it would really frustrate me Um, To the point in which I would, like, if I invited to after work drinks, I would, I would refuse and just go back home, um, simply just sort of feeling defeated because I hadn't been perfect that day. Um, And I think it it eventually got to a point in which I got home one day after work and I was like, I I can't live like this anymore. Um, I can't just keep going to work knowing that I'm going to sort of make these, you know, quote unquote mistakes um but um and then feel awful about myself because I in terms of health I didn't really put a foot wrong before my um my diagnosis like didn't smoke wasn't wasn't a heavy drinker at all um I would usually be sort of the relatively sober friend helping out the rest of my friends um so I think the fact that I did nothing wrong and I still got cancer um frustrated me um, I didn't really realize that until afterwards and so when it came to my health especially hence the eating um, I really felt like I had to be really on top of it even though I knew I did nothing wrong before because I just felt like I'd done something wrong even though it was, wasn't my fault my my cells just mutated wrong one point and it just was a landslide effect and so um I think I just became so obsessed with like trying not to put a foot wrong, because I just, I either I didn't want it to come back or I didn't want a second cancer, or um, I also felt that once I was in remission, um, I felt an expectation to be happy. I felt when I wasn't hitting that, I was like, well, maybe I'm not doing things right in my life, and that that just added more fuel to the fire. So um, eventually, I just got home and. Googled mental health services um, under the NHS and then um, self-referred myself and started off some CBT um, and slowly basically just worked on that that, uh, obsessive perfectionism.
1: We always like to talk about those around us because we know that the impacts of cancer are really, really far reaching. So the next section of Afterthoughts explores some of those people that cancer also affects.
2: Um, So I've lived overseas most of my life, but when I was 10, I went to boarding school. So I've always been really independent. Um, And my dad, when I told my dad that I might have lymphoma, um, he kept my mum relatively in the dark about it until it looked quite probable. Um, and so when I got told, I then sort of walked out of the hospital and then just gave my parents a call and I was like, yeah, this is it. Um, and two days later, mid pandemic had managed to get a flight from South Africa to the UK. Um, and was, was here ready to, to help me. Um, and she was obviously uh, pros and cons, um, mum being my mum. Um, I've always been an independent person. So, my mum being around for so long, um, it was um, interesting because I hadn't the longest I'd spent with her for probably like the past few years, probably three months during a summer. Um, but um, she was super helpful, had the alarms for my tablets. So, I didn't ever have to worry about them. She would just be in my room. She'd be like, take this tablet, go back to sleep, or whatever you want to do. Um, if I was hungry but wasn't strong enough to get out of bed, um she would bring me food, um, like did did all my like clean my bathroom and everything. Um basically just did everything I couldn't do myself, um, including driving me to the hospital. That's more because I don't have my driver's license yet. Um, that's a different story. Um but obviously um she's a she's a Sri Lankan mum and that comes with, with all the, all its challenges, um, including um not wanting to cause any family drama with my diagnosis so for her she sort of didn't let me tell my cousins immediately um because um one of my aunts had um dealt with uh was dealing with cervical cancer at the time um or ovarian cancer one of the two um and so she didn't want to sort of cause any family upset or anything um so i had to you know constantly go through the argument of her being like you know it's my family and me being like, it's my cancer i can tell who i want um eventually naturally she won um but um like i have i owe everything to my mom when it comes to treatment and i also remember very distinctly with my mom and i got told i was in remission they're on holiday so i rang my dad because he was the only one with a working mobile and i told him and then he tried to prank my mum and say it's not good news before handing the phone over but the second my mum picked up the phone and said hello signal cut out dad takes the phone back off her signal cuts back in I'm like what's going on he hands the phone back up to my mum signal cuts out again this happened about three times before eventually I just called it quits and my dad then explained to my mum but um yeah she uh she's been through a lot
0: oh my god
1: your poor mom (laughs) that is savage
2: Um, wow (laughs) it's just i I just found it so amusing when i realized what dad had been trying my dad had been trying to do and then when the phone cut out i was like oh you poor fool
0: The next section of After Thoughts is around invisible impacts. Uh, Aidan, we're going to dive straight in. Have you got a story for us around the invisible impacts?
2: I do. Mine's uh, definitely going to be um, centred around sort of um, body confidence. Um, for me, it was my hair. Um, so sort of pre-diagnosis and everything, my hair was definitely the thing I was most proud about. Um, I had the softest hair, I had loads of it um and I always used to claim that I could rock almost any hairstyle um and I still stick to that um but um so when I got diagnosed one of the big things was um you know obviously you know could cancer kill you yes but I was more like wow I'm gonna lose my hair um and that was that was the thing that bothered me the most um and as a guy I think it's it's something it's spoken about enough um I remember my consultant asking me if I wanted to the sort of dismissing the idea that I would want a wig. Um, like, I wouldn't personally want one, but I think the fact that she sort of dismissed the idea that I would made solidified that in my mind. Um, and so I, my hair thinned out slowly um, and eventually I, I shaved it off. Um, but shaving off was probably the lowest I was during um, treatment. Um, because I was like, cool, I now look like someone who has cancer. Um, it doesn't sound very invisible. Um, but, um, uh, yes, yeah, so that, that hit my confidence massively. And, um, again, having cancer before cancer, you tend to be quite skinny, um, for unknown reasons. I wonder why. Um, but, um, yes, yeah, so why I was quite skinny I had those sort of, uh, relatively well-defined muscles. Um, And I lost all of that during chemo. I hadn't obviously been to the gym, didn't have the strength to to exercise a lot. And so my body confidence was just just gone. Um, So when I finished treatment, um, I would wear like really baggy clothes, always wear a beanie. Um, And I even rocked up to my first job interview, still wearing a hat. And one of the requests I made, I was like, look, if you're going to hire me, you're going to have to let me wear a hat at work um and they were really kind they said yeah sure you're working behind a bar no one really cares as long as you uh, pour the stuff but I was I was just not confident at all about how I looked and um when I rocked up to work you were allowed to wear jumpers because we worked outside for a bit so I'd always wear a jumper because I just didn't like the way I looked um and I always managed to play it off so like, oh no I'm just, I just get really cold um or things like that um and so eventually I um, buzzed my hair again and I ditched the hat and that was a big moment for me because the first time I hadn't worn a hat for about six months um, and my head was very cold but um, and then about six months after that I finally got my first proper haircut and I think it was probably the moment in which I felt my confidence even go anywhere near to normal
1: in the next section, we explore the things that happen to young people who've had cancer that do not happen to their peers. Um, we call this section Teenage Kicks. So over to you, Aidan, to tell your Teenage Kicks story.
2: So uh, my story starts way at my diagnosis. Um, so I guess that I probably would have had cancer for about two years before it was diagnosed. Um, with the first sort of um, identifiable symptom being itching in the lower legs. Um, but I remember stumbling uh, across my um, cancer when I was watching Afterlife at about 3 a.m. Uh, during lockdown. And I remember seeing on the show one of the characters dies of breast cancer. Um, don't worry, that doesn't spoil anything. Um, and so I was like, you know, being a medic myself, I was like, oh, that that's quite a survivable cancer, though, isn't it? So uh, naturally, as any 18 year old would do at 3 a.m. in the morning, I started researching cancers um, and I started researching survival ones. And one of which I stumbled across was Hodgkin's and then next on non-Hodgkin's. And so my thought was, well, you know, what's the difference? And um, do they do they present differently? Is that that an easy thing to diagnose the two? Um, And then I read the um, symptoms for Hodgkin's. And the first thing that grabbed my attention was itching in the lower legs. Um, As I said previously, something I've been dealing with for about two years, um, I'd seen a dermatologist about it. um, And they had thrown every cream under the sun. They were convinced it was eczema, convinced it was some sort of allergy, sent me for allergy tests or anything. Nothing, nothing worked. Um, And so I was like, ooh, itchy skin with no rash. That sounds like me a bit. And then I went, okay, well, um tiredness and i was like oh that actually i might be more tired than an 18 year old should be um and then i decided to check my lymph nodes and i realized that two lymph nodes by my neck um, which i had previously thought was just muscle because again they had sprouted around 16 so um, i assumed they were muscles because of puberty um all of a sudden i realized ha that's not a muscle that's actually just cancer. Um, and so I then sent a a message to my GP GP prodded it and was like, well, I think I should muscle or fat, but you know what, just be safe. And sorry. Um, I'll send you for an ultrasound ultrasound. And then ultrasound realized that the lymph node was swollen, a biopsy confirmed that it was indeed cancer. Um, and so I am probably one of the few teenagers that can say they successfully diagnosed their own cancer. Uh, unfortunately, one of the slight downsides of that is that I'm also now very, very aware of what my symptoms were. So um, post-treatment, I would say get a mosquito bite on my foot and it would be itchy. And I just first thought is oh my God, I've got cancer again, but it's not, it's just a mosquito bite or I would get a, or I remember when I had my first COVID vaccine, obviously some of my lymph nodes swell up and I was like, oh my God, it's cancer again. And I had to sort of remind myself, no, it's just a COVID vaccine. It's just my immune system being my immune system. Um, but it's just one of those unfortunate things that just sort of looms at the back of my mind whenever I have any of the symptoms I have with cancer is that just, you know, is it back? Um, will it ever come back? Um, what do I do if it comes back? um and unfortunately with that with any other cancer is you have to then also when that thought comes up um the the next thought that sort of lingers in your mind is well, if if it comes back am I going to be as lucky again um to beat it um so I, I think that's definitely one of the um d- downsides um I'd like to say diagnosing myself is is it's not a downside more now just a like a, a fun party story
0: So next up on Afterthoughts, we're diving into lost conversations. We know that there are discussions having uh, around lots of different topics in the cancer community, but there are lots of things we're not talking about enough. And so we always ask our storytellers for a story that
2: sums up a lost conversation. Over to you, Aidan. So my lost conversations um, are based on sort of sexual health and mainly focused on um sperm banking um during just before my treatment um i didn't know it was something i had to do um until i was uh just doing some work for my cousin i received a call and it's the consultant and um just sort of casually towards the end she was like oh by the way should i book you in for tomorrow to come in to get the blood test done for um your sperm banking and I was just sort of there, an 18 year old guy who was still in shock for the fact that um, I had cancer, um, definitely shock. I never, pro- I'd never actually ended up processing, but um, and just going, what? Like I have to, I have to do sperm banking. I have to do blood tests for it. Like wh- what was going on? Um, and so she was sort of like, yeah, you know, one of the side effects of chemo is really unlikely um but um you could become infertile and so obviously better safe than sorry that you have um some sperm frozen I was like okay I I guess so um so um I do do the blood tests and everything and then I'm waiting for an appointment at Hammersmith Hospital uh which is where I did my sperm banking and um I remember when I first got the phone call from them they said we can book you in for two weeks to which my reply was my first chemo is in two days. So they went, okay, um, well, we can just probably fit you in first thing um, tomorrow morning. And I was like, perfect. Um, and again, as an 18-year-old guy, knowing exactly what I was about to go do, um, I didn't want my mom coming with me. So I took the train up at like 7 a.m. all the way up to Hammersmith, um, nearly walked into the prison by accident um, rather than the hospital. I'd never been there before. Um, I go inside I have to find the andrology department. Um, I arrive, the doors aren't open. I know I'm the first patient there for the day. So I knock on the door and no one's there. I'm obviously super nervous, still don't really know 100% what's going on. Um, They open the door and first thing they do is just hand me a load of forms. Um, I'm there signing forms, ticking boxes. Half of them like, why are you asking me this? Like, am I signing away my soul? Um, have I just sold like myself to research by accident or something? Um, and then you basically trade in these forms and they just give you a cup. Um, and they just sort of like that, you know, you, you know what you have to do. Um, and again, as an 18 year old, I've never been this nervous for just, just to masturbate. Um, and you go in and the seats aren't even like made well for the, the experience, um, and it's, it's just the most bizarre experience ever. And once it's done, you get sent some more fo- forms in the post um, for you to to tick and whatnot. Again, none of this is explained. Um, they normally apparently get you to sit down with someone for the second lot of forms because of COVID. I couldn't do that, and so they just sort of went, "Okay, the alternative is just that's a shame for you." Um, and then after that it just wasn't spoken of nothing. I didn't receive any, you know, Oh yeah, by the way, we've, we've got your sperm and it's frozen. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, didn't receive anything about that. Um, and then time ticked on and towards the end of my treatment, I then started sort of having like, okay, well, I remember I froze sperm, but like, will I need it? Um, I know I've only signed up for about, I think technically you you get a minimum of like five years and then, after that they have to basically check if you actually need the sperm frozen or not and so I then had to rack up the courage to ask my nurse and then my consultant what do I do to get it all checked to which their response is just someone will email you someone will call you close to the time of that and time went on and no one emailed me and no one called me and it's just it was just something that I was really anxious about because again as now a 19 year old i now I'm um the idea there is a possibility that i may not be able to to um naturally have children but no one's really there discussing with it with me or like explaining to me how i could find out um it's always someone else who will be able to do that but it should be really nice if that someone else was revealed to me so i could get in contact with them first
1: And as always, we finish Afterthoughts with Don't Laugh. And this is a section where we get to explore the lighter side of cancer, because believe it or not, there is often a funny side to cancer. So Aidan, please try and make us laugh with Don't Laugh.
2: Um, So for me, one of the funnier things was how casual I I was with uh, having cancer um, to the point in which, for example, I set up a, a Tinder profile just to keep myself busy, um, and, you know, speak to new people and things like that, keep my social skills, um, as good as they could be. Um, and so I decided to just toy around with my bio. Um, one of them was did chemo. So, you know, I can handle toxic. Um, (laughs) one of, one of them, which I told, which I was told that it was a little bit too far was, um, I have cancer. So, you know, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, One of my favourite pickup lines I used was, uh, "I didn't realise make a wish could actually get a hold of you."
1: (laughs) Oh, that's quite good.
2: um, Yeah, um, uh, or things like really cheesy ones. um, If you know that they're probably into cheesy ones, being like, "Do you want to make fault in our stars a reality?" Um, You had had to get creative with it. Um, But um, sometimes, sometimes they um. They reacted well to it. Sometimes you just get, all of a sudden you just get a pity party and you sort of like, I can't bother with this. So, you know, it has, it has its ups and its downs. But I remember one distinct moment where I definitely was far too casual with my diagnosis was, um, my main form of socialising during treatment because of the pandemic was probably gaming my friends at night. Um, and I remember this one new guy um, joined us and it was a night where I, I just had a chemo infusion. <clears throat> so I was just chilling, playing um I wasn't playing the best I could because I just had chemo um so I said to him I was oh you know sorry I'm not gonna be on top of my game because I'm feeling quite ill and he goes I'm also really ill my friends obviously realize what's about to go down um he then goes yeah I've got glandular fever beat that (laughs) you hear some chuckles from my friends to which I just turn around and go um yeah well I've got cancer (laughs) um he proceeds to be on mute for a couple of minutes as he's texting one of my other friends the mutual friend frantically being like oh my god what have I done what have I done um but luckily um I I didn't care um and we're now quite good friends (laughs) yeah
1: that's fantastic beat that Uh, well yes actually I can
2: I I need to know
0: agent I need to know did the line did did the lines work did you uh... lines
2: lines they they stop. A conversation they got replies, right? They got but replies. Unfortunately, nothing ever led anywhere.
0: Okay, all right, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh what wow, wow, what like
1: I love that. Cause... Yes, I can, yes, I can beat glandular fever actually, as yeah. it goes. Yes, I can. <laughs> It's, it's
0: it's interesting, isn't it? It's the it's the cancer card. There is the yeah. cancer cards, right? And mm. I just think, what a way to play it on on Tinder. I think there's, uh, yeah, I think there's,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, all...
0: Style it out, style it out. You know, style it out. Do you still uh, do you still ever bring out some of those lines? Is there a a line?
2: I I deleted Tinder, Um Because right. uh, after a while, you basically reach a point in which you realise it's an awful app. And then once you've reached that realization, it's very hard to ever go back,
0: yeah yeah well, there you are um oh well, A- Aiden, thank you so much uh for bringing us uh these stories today it's been it's it's been great to have you on the podcast.
1: It's been fantastic, yeah. Thank you so much, Aidan, for your warmth and your wisdom, and for sharing so generously with us this afternoon. Well, this evening. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's been great to have you. Thank you so much,
0: Aidan. I can't wait to see you uh, being a medic soon, and I really hope uh, freshers uh, goes well and you don't fall (laughs) off any boats. You're taking. Thank you
2: very much. much. Thank you very much for inviting me and for being such great hosts.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Aidan. Bye bye. there we are that is our episode with the lovely aiden
1: i tell you what i would love i've never been on a dating app in my life <laughs> having been with my now husband since i was 17 but i would love to be on the receiving end of one of those chat up lines because <laughs> i'd be really interested to know how i'd react. Like. How do you think you'd react if you got one of those chatter lines?
0: Well, yeah, I think it would... Um, I think I'd appreciate it. I think now I'd appreciate it. I'm wondering if my 19-year-old self would have appreciated it. Yeah,
1: how do you think...
0: Um, what do you call yourself? Uh, parallel Peach.
1: How do you think Parallel Peach would react?
0: Uh, I think Parallel Peach... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I, I,
1: Parallel Peach would shit himself?
0: Yes, probably a little bit. Yeah, I like. <laughs> I like that Parallel Peach is becoming a little bit of uh, the running theme of. Uh, he's, he's popped up in a couple of these episodes yeah. already. Yeah, he has. I know he's just um, enjoying his mortgage. Uh, yeah. The real. I, I mentioned that because the real one hasn't. Um, so. <laughs> it's been it's been lovely to have aiden and and particularly i think with aiden like i don't know if it is our first time of having a uh well it's definitely our first time of having a medical profession
1: mm. who
0: has diagnosed himself we've obviously oh. had in series we've had we've had doctors come on but we've not had Dr. teenage Philippa. yeah mm. but we've not had teenagers who have come yeah. on and like their first bit of of doing medicine is to diagnose themselves
1: yeah like just and I think it's really interesting as well because how many people do you think have gone oh I've got cancer and obviously haven't got cancer mm. I wonder how many people have actually diagnosed themselves successfully with cancer that's what's really interesting about this isn't it and um, I think that's yeah. I think that's what's really fascinating about about Aidan's story.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I totally agree. Um, let's
1: get into it, Toby. What are your afterthoughts on Aidan's episode of Afterthoughts? Well.
0: It, it's been interesting, actually, listening to Aidan because uh, I I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was nineteen, and mm-hmm. so I, I'm hearing and and like and things have changed a lot since I was nineteen, yeah. and so, um, but there's still lots of like moments that were like, oh yeah, I I remember that hair moment, and I remember mm. that we weren't talking about the fact that it was it was really monumental, really, like having to shave your head, you, like. And I say even as a man, because I think like that's that's kind of what's put into us a little bit as yeah. men that like we shouldn't worry about that as much. And we should like stiff up a lip and stuff like that. And I think his conversation about fertility is really poignant as well. And I like I just think it flagged up again of like we we we've had some incredible men who have come on our podcast and come to talk to us about um The fact of that they need to hear more men telling stories. And uh, I'm just like so grateful that um, Aidan's come on and shared with us like like so much honesty about what it has been like to be really candid. Yeah. Be a 19 year old who's had that. And I think back all the way to series one when we had Ryan on talking about fertility. Yeah, and it's so, like, interesting about how we're just not good at talking about it. Yeah, yeah men, yeah. we're just not good at talking about it, and absolutely, we need to find ways. We need to find people who will share their stories and make sure that we're that we're getting it into the ears of the people who need to hear it. Yeah. And it's not just people who've had cancer who need to hear it. I think Aiden mentioned that briefly about how he had a friend who said, I mean "Oh, you're just firing blanks now," and it's like. Yes. There's a lot of... Um, that, that could have been um, seen as being quite insensitive to Aiden. Like, I don't know uh, how he might have felt when he heard that. But, like, I know I've, I've had things in the past where people have said comments to me which they probably might not think is something difficult to hear, but as somebody who might be infertile, can be mm. difficult. So the assumptions we make about people's bodies, like, I don't know, it, it really just brought that... From brought that home for me.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, that that's an opportunity for conversation as well, isn't it? You know, like there there could have been a chance there had had Aidan felt comfortable or, you know, had had the friend facilitated it, that could have been an opportunity to open up that conversation more. Um but, you know, 18. Um yeah. When I think about the sort of conversations I was having at 18, know maybe maybe that that isn't the time and maybe that's what we're here for we're here to facilitate those conversations um but yeah I think you're absolutely right and I was thinking about when when Aidan was talking about his hair loss something that really struck me actually was I was thinking about you saying that you have no pictures or you have one picture of when you had no hair. Mm. And I think that's really, really telling about how you felt about yourself at that time. Yeah. And obviously, like, it wasn't like now where we have smartphones and, like, camera phones that take incredible photographs and take high-quality photos that are as good as a, DLSR, a DSLR camera or whatever. But, like, that really struck home to me about, you know, the the way men feel about their image their self-image when they're going through cancer treatment in a way that we don't necessarily articulate that well um and i think yeah i think the way men feel about their body image their self-image when they're going through cancer treatment isn't something that we talk about Mm. and again same with fertility and i think yeah we live in a world where where men maybe don't talk about things as as much as they should
0: Mm. Uh, have i told you the the story of why that picture exists no I told you that story of why that picture exists no. and um, um, it's it's because Alice as uh, as you know and some of our listeners may may know as well is that um, yes I, I, I was a, a wonderful uh, male model uh, in those days uh, not a very successful one at all I was an awful model but uh, that picture was taken because I'd signed with an agency just before re- I relapsed <laughs> and they um they were very nice they were like okay go away have your time and stuff and then they got in touch with me and um this was i think i think maybe i was like getting close to my last treatment or something like that i had i I had no hair whatsoever and they said top man are calling top man top man top man really like w- want to meet you would love to meet you and I was like oh okay I was like it could it wait and they were like well this opportunity only comes around once 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 a time or something I was like oh okay right and um then I so I was like okay well I'll take a picture and let you let you let you see what I look like and you can let me know I'm up having a chat with them but obviously like I don't have any hair at the moment my face looks very <laughs> different because I had lots of Water as part of the treatment as well, and um, I took this picture of me, which I where I have no no hair, and my face is so.
1: You were like proper clean bald chemo moon face.
0: Chemo moon face. Uh, I got a very short email back, which is um, yeah, we'll wait a couple of months, won't we?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's so funny to like picture. You with that face next to you with your current face and your like your very defined cheekbones and your very pointed chin.
0: <laughs> but you know, I don't know why Top Man didn't want it. Top Man, if you're if you're out there, I I think that uh, there are uh, it's such an opportunity there. You've lost, you know, you could have really yeah. shown shown the truth because now you're things... too old. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, and I've lost a lot of my. <laughs> yeah, my wife, I hope but... you're
1: recording because I just realised my recording's paused.
0: Oh, no, I am. That's fine. We, um, oh, we, might get, we might get rid of this anyway. It might be too long. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and it does show, actually, and, and again, we'll probably cut all of this, but it does show a little bit of, um, that could have shown, because a lot of people think you just get really thin, don't they? they yeah. They think you just get really thin, and I think it is... I thin. did
1: not get really thin. Yeah,
0: nor did I. Nor did I. Um, no, right. no. So, Alice, okay, over to you. What's your afterthoughts on today's episode?
1: My... Afterthoughts on today's episode of Afterthoughts. I thought it was really interesting hearing Aidan talk about how cancer and the kind of quest to be the perfect patient impacted his um, mental health on the long term and how it impacted him beyond his treatment. I just thought that was so interesting. Uh, and you know, there's so much chat about how, you know, how to be the perfect cancer patient and how to be the perfect cancer survivor and how to make sure you're doing cancer right and eating the right things and doing the right things and and just making sure you're doing it right and and there's so much pressure on an individual to do that and be that, and it's suffocating, it's exhausting, and it's so difficult. And yeah, I just think that that story really highlighted how damaging that can be, and what an impact that that can have on young people, um, but on anyone who's going through cancer treatment. And I think it just shows us how smart we need to be about the way we talk to people who are going through cancer treatment but any kind of trauma really right we just need to be much more considerate of the way we talk to people and deal with people um
0: and i thought that that story really highlighted that mm, and i think i think i saw something on social media uh recently and uh about yeah Hang I on, know. i'm sorry you saw
1: something on social media
0: do you know even further Further into that is that I think I saw an Instagram which just says something because, um, stop but, it! Yeah, but about that factor of going like um, the fact that there are lots of cancer advocates and there are lots of people who are like doing incredible work in the cancer community and things. But it is like it, it is a case of going like we we know because we know a, a few of um, the people who are on social media who do do that and <laughs> who are cancer advocates. But we also, like, we know, like, the 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 effort that goes into it and also the other side of it. And I think the ones that we, like, uh, like, I think about the ones who are really great at being honest about that, like, like, Lauren, like, mm. Brad. Um, mm. Like, I just think that, like, you, like, the fact that it is a case of going, it's not all, like, um, bells and whistles. Uh, it's not all, like, yeah, there's there's lots of different sides to it. And... Yeah. I think it's just really important to note that if you're a young person and you're seeing all these in- incredible people who are doing being the best cancer survivor and things like that, yeah. and trying to live up to that alongside life, they're, it's just they're, not
1: real life, is it? It's not
0: real life. And, and yeah, look for those those cancer advocates who who are telling like real stories. I'm not saying like, and I would definitely say don't. Uh, not me at all because I don't post anything (laughs) and I'm awful on social media but there are some incredible people out there and I think look for the places where you can see those conversations happening
1: 100% I I totally agree and like what a perfect note to finish on Mm. I think that remembering that you know life is peaks and troughs and light and dark and um, social media isn't a representation of that it's not a real representation of that and um, we can't be positive all the time and um yeah and and we, if we put pressure on, our, on ourselves to do that we will explode
0: we will explode, and we will explode if we spend any more time on Zoom with each other two days. So yeah, let's dude, my,
1: my eyeballs feel like they're going to fall out, so let's right.
0: uh, let's end it there, shall we? Let's say toodles. Uh, should we say toodles, or should we not say toodles? We'll say toodles. Why not? Let's say toodles. toodles.
1: Right, goodbye, toodles.
0: If today's episode of Afterthoughts has brought up any thoughts or feelings that you'd like to speak to someone about, we really recommend grabbing a cuppa with a friend or dropping them a message. There are tons of charities out there who can help you if you've been through cancer and need a bit of extra psychological support.
1: Thanks so much to Teenage Cancer Trust for supporting Afterthoughts the teenagers and supporting teens and young adults diagnosed with cancer in the uk the work they do is incredible find out more at teenagecancertrust.org
0: afterthoughts is produced by alice may perkis and toby peach from beyond arts with sound design from dinah mullen and kieran lucas